Good morning. We've made it. We're in the final Sunday of 2020, and this year, I don't have to tell you, has presented a world of challenges. Um, this is just an opportunity that has created for us the, the chance to get creative, to get outside of our proverbial boxes. We have been challenged on how we're to gather as people. We've been challenged on how we're to gather as a church, and I, I don't I think I can tell you as a church leader, it's really difficult to know how to gather your church when so many people within your church have needs and they've felt lonely and isolated. And those needs can motivate me. They can be difficult to not be, uh, become the most motivating thing. It's in these times that I have to look and I have to go back to the scriptures. I have to ask myself, like as much as I want to meet the needs of people, in my opinion, as much as I like it and they, they may like it, it's not going to fix. It can help, but it's not going to fix their problem. Scripturally, as much as people need people, we don't need each other more than we need Jesus. And we each need Jesus as Scripture reveals. In fact, he said it of himself in the first commandment that we're to love him and pursue him with our all. No matter what we've suffered circumstantially, no matter what we've been through this year, at no point did the second greatest commandment, which is all about our love for other people, did it cause this cosmic reprioritization of things, the, the order that he set. It didn't supplant, the second greatest commandment didn't supplant the first commandment. It was still about our pursuit of him and, and our finding life in him and not trying to find life in other people's wisdom or their logic or their opinion. It's to come to him and accept his invitation. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. It's equal to it, but it didn't take place of the first one, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, God expects us to love our neighbor. But that love for our neighbor comes out of worship for him. It's because we've come to him and that relationship with him is what fulfills us, sustains us, and gives us an ability to love them the way that he would. It's the fact that 1 John 4 tells us that he first loved us. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And out of that gracious love that we approach others with a sense of gratitude, we're motivated and moved to approach them and offer invitation for them to meet him as missionaries, as emissaries, representing him to a world that right now just needs hope. I want to read to you what gathering is truly about. Gathering for me, if I were to title today's message, is gathering, let us live. And I know that some people want to interpret what, what I mean by let us live. To, they want to say, you know, let, that, let us go back to the way things were. That's not actually what I intend. What I intend is that we actually come to him as our fulfillment and sustainer in life, that we would pursue him first. Jesus said this of himself. In Matthew 11, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, what he was saying is if you really want to live, you've got to come to me. You've got to take that invitation. He says, come. Come if you're heavy burdened and tired. If you're tired from trying to measure up. If you're, trying, you're, you're tired of carrying the burden of where a world that is broken in sin and death has left you. Striving to overcome it. Striving to earn love and life that you could never earn apart from me. He goes, give up on all that. Just come to me, sit with me, and let me 
pour into you. He says, take from me. Take my yoke upon you because it's easy and light. It's life-giving and purpose-filled. I intended you, and I know exactly how I've customly made you, and I know exactly what you need more than anyone else on the planet does. So let me invest in you. Come to me, take from me, learn from me. He said, I, I want you to know that I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. I'm unlike this unrelenting and harsh world that you walk through all the time. I'm completely the opposite. I'm a place where you can actually find rest. And when you experience that, that coming to me and taking from me and learning from me, he said, I just want you to praise me. I just want you to worship me as I designed you to from the beginning because I loved you like no one else and I still do today and I'm unchanging. So come to me and recognize how good I am to you and then just give me your all. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he said, and out of that, then go love others. This is what we're to do in gathering. It's much like in Matthew 19 when the crowd was chasing after Jesus and the disciples were beating back the people and not letting the children come to him. He said, no, 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 let the children through. Let them come to me. And unless you come to me like one of these, you are otherwise going to not see my kingdom. You'll miss it. I'm going to talk about that more in a moment, but what he was saying was, we have to pursue him with our all as if we're desperate and dependent upon him. So the passage I have for us today is actually from the Old Testament. It's a picture that I believe God allowed us to see not only where the circumstances of 2020 have left us, but also his reason for it and the reason that we must pursue him with our all. In a vision in Ezekiel 37 that God gave the prophet, he allowed Ezekiel to see a valley of dry bones. It was a place where these bones were gathered and they were lifeless and useless. A graveyard, if you will. It was something where they had been ripped apart and destitute and left. And so I want to say for anyone who's feeling a little dried up, please dial in. Listen to what these words say from Ezekiel 37, verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out, of the spirit, out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them. Skin covered them, but there was no breath within them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the, Lord, the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood upon their feet a vast army. I'd love to stop there, but i got to just read the next few verses because they're really important for us who have just been through this year. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up, I will put my spirit in you. You will live, 
and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So yes, this this passage is a prophecy about Israel, both in the day that they were walking through presently in this time that Ezekiel wrote this. They were coming out of captivity, and he was restoring them as a nation. But it was also a future prophecy of what we expect to see happen. Um, he is going to finally and eternally redeem Israel, and we're all waiting for that day, saving them, placing his spirit within them, much like he has us, his New Testament church, already. So there's a word here for us today, church. Here it is. This important prophecy speaks to us, and we need to see ourselves just as needy as those dry bones were on the floor of that valley, piled and scattered. We turn to him dried up from circumstance, and we beg for him to revive us. He says, as I began to prophesy of those bones, I heard a rattling. The bones started to come together, tendons, upon, tendons to tendon, and flesh was put upon the, 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 the bones. Those bones started to come together and they became a human. They became a person. These bones rattling, I believe, are kind of like the circumstances we faced this, this year. He sought to shake us up. He sought to shake us up and to reestablish us, to take the church of Jesus that has walked through these days and maybe lost sight of their true priority and brought us into a global Sabbath so the way we could turn solely to him. Whether it be tornadoes here in Tennessee, the viruses that we've suffered, coronavirus largely, whether it be pestilence, whether it be locusts or beetles from West Africa, whether it be hurricanes, whether it be volcanoes that just happened last night, whether it be wildfires ripping the West Coast, whether it be race riots that have torn the globe apart, whether it be the Christmas star that we saw just last week. Here it is. God is seeking to get our attention. And as he brought into order those bones that were scattered, he brought them into place and he put tendons on, he put skin on them. They looked human, but they were not alive. He had to get their attention before he could breathe life into them. The rattling and the ordering can look impressive. It really can. And i got to tell you, I've been to plenty of churches that look impressive, but they're dead. You see, when we pursue excellence, which is a great goal, which is a great goal, good things happen. But if excellence is solely the primary goal, then we miss God and we miss the power and presence of God that gives life. We can look impressive and we can look orderly, but if we don't have his spirit, his spirit within us, his power and presence giving us life and bringing us to life, then all we are is impressive looking and we offer no one anything. We can look the part, but we can be as lifeless without him as these men were that day in that valley. We could be as lifeless and dry as those dry bones before they even came together. And here's the thing, the world around us just went through 2020 as well, and they deserve more than that. He's left us to give them hope. They may look impressive, they may have it all together. Who know? I, I don't know who your friends are, but I, I know those that I have that look impressive, that seem to have it all together, but they're dying inside, they're dead men walking. And I, I know the Lord has entrusted me to offer them something, and I can't offer my opinion, I need to offer the truth. So here's the thing. God has rattled our cage to shake us up and get our attention. And now, just like those, those, that vast army that's sitting there in line, ready, it needed breath. It needed what the Bible calls the Spirit of God and is symbolized in this breath to breathe on them. And they needed to come to life. So the breath wasn't present at first. The attention was first. But then God decided to wake that army with the breath. 
of God, with the Holy Spirit. It's much like a picture of when in Genesis we see Adam have his body formed from the dust and God breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and the simultaneous exhale of God's lungs becomes the first breath to be inhaled in Adam's lung and he became a living, breathing being. It's our source of life. His spirit is the source of true life and eternal and abundant life. And so this is important because this picture is incredibly applicable to the church today. I've traveled the, the, the entire country and I've been to churches that have a cemetery outside or across the street. And I got to tell you, as much as it breaks my heart to admit this, I've sat through services where just as dead as the cemeteries outside. Like an indoor version of what was taking place outdoor because the presence and power of God wasn't, was not there. They looked the part, they sounded the part, everything they were doing was impressive. Their goals were not primarily to meet with God and to hear from Him and have life. And so while they may have been attentive and while they may have looked impressive, the life of God, because His power and presence wasn't, relevant, wasn't there, people leave feeling just as lifeless as they entered. You see, God has allowed us, His church, to be the place where people can come. And receive life. We're not here just to impress people. We're here to offer opportunity to be introduced to the one who gives life. And life alone. Their need is a secondary motivation. Their first need is to be saved. He alone can breathe life into them. Just like my life was changed by Jesus. And I have to daily come to him. He said, daily, take your cross and follow me. I have to daily be saved from myself and my own tendencies. I hurt for a people who are walking through life right now, trying to figure it out and trying to find answers for all that they've suffered, but they're trying to do it apart from Jesus. They're completely unsettled. Their life is completely at unrest. And here's, here's my motivation to you, church, today. For those of us who know him, who know the life-giving power of his Holy Spirit because he's breathed on us, he's breathed into us, and his, his life bears fruit of his Spirit within us. We have the opportunity to offer them a life that's settled in the middle of a, li a world that is at unrest. Just like he said here in the Valley of the Dry Bones that they would have a hope that they could be settled. They'd breathe in them, they became a vast army, and he was going to reestablish them. Church, we're all waiting, we're all hopeful that we will be reestablished in what we lost at Eden in what we call heaven. But we miss the focus of that. We miss the focus of God being the one who's sovereign and does all of that, who's the one who settles, who brings life, who orders us. We miss all of that when we are primarily motivated by ourselves or by other people. We can't gather for others primarily. We have to gather for him. And our goal is to become more like him. Then, then we can actually offer those who are dead men walking in this world hope. We can actually offer them love that comes from a place that is boundless. It's unconditional. It exceeds the bounds of this world. He said, in, in church, we will miss it. 
We will miss it if we don't come to him like the children that were beat back that day by the disciples. That Jesus had to rebuke his disciples and say, let them come to me. Jesus said, let the children come to me in verse 14 of chapter 19. Let them come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. It's an invitation that we have to accept. We have to come. And he says, the way that we come looks like this. We have to come and be completely dependent upon his breath. Completely dependent upon his spirit. Just like he breathed into Adam that day, he holds our breath in his hands. And he knows exactly how many days he's giving us breath. The question is, church, what are you doing with that breath? If he's put his spirit within you, how do you bear fruit of that spirit? And how are you utilizing every day as worship of him by the way that you approach others? How are you daily going to him and being sustained, letting him breathe in you again so that you can walk into life not drained, not dry, but filled and sustained, offering hope to people because the hope exceeds beyond your opinion. It comes from a place of truth, the person of Jesus. So we have to come to him like children dependent upon him. We have to come to him innocently with the knowledge that his love and his mind are superior. We have to come looking for him to fill us so that we can be expelled into their lives. We have to come to him humbly, confessing our own tendencies to uh, choose our way over his. We have to be willing to come and confess our flaws, seeking his ways over our own. We have to come and confess, God, as much as I know your truth, I, I just I want you to hear that my opinion is important. He goes, I don't need your opinion. The people around you need me as much as you need me. And so we have to come to him not only dependent, not only innocent, and not only humbly, we have to come to him teachable. We've got to come with a willingness to grow and learn and develop in his likeness because his likeness is not where we began. The more we learn of him, the more we sit with him, the more we become like him. And we're able to practice his ways in a way that would honor him as worship. So this morning as as we are coming to a close at 2020, and we look with intention at 2021. I got to tell you, church, when we make the center of our gathering our own needs or the hurts of the people around us, we're never going to be fulfilled. Primarily, we have to come in effort to worship and praise the one who can meet those hurts and can fix those needs. We have to come seeking the truth of Jesus over our opinion. If we come pursuing something secondary, then we're actually never going to be fulfilled. Nothing will ever be enough. Our insatiable desire will just continue to feed because we're out of order. So when 2020 comes to a wrap, and we anticipate 2021, I'm going to ask us, church, to turn our attention back to our very first love. Steer our heart back to our dependency upon him, much like those dry bones in that valley depended and came to order once the word of the Lord came to them and they still waited for the breath, the Holy Spirit to come upon him, the gift that he gave us in his absence for the power and presence of God to go forth. We have to allow him to breathe on us. Breathe into us His Spirit, giving us life and purpose. We must come humbly, like those children, dependent, innocently, willing to learn. And cognizant of the fact that He alone, He alone 
is what rights all the wrongs. He alone fixes our deepest need. So let's seek him together in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for Jesus. Father, we've been through a lot this year, but Father, at no point have you changed. At no point have you not been sovereign over all our circumstances, and at no point have you chosen not to use these circumstances to bring our hearts and minds back to you. As 2020 to me has been almost like a global Sabbath, I pray that your church would come back to its first love and seek you and find sustaining power in you by your spirit and be fulfilled by the things that you speak to us and say over us. This morning as we gather in living rooms all over the country, I pray, God, that you would find the fellowship faithful to seek you first And in the order that you set, worshiping you out of gratitude and graciously seeking to love others secondarily the way that you have loved us. It's in your name we gather, and it's in Jesus' name we beg for the power and the presence of your Spirit to be present right now in this service, in this broadcast. But may it be what carries us into our day and into this week into this next year, 2021. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.